0: We're no longer in control. I mean we can be, we can re reclaim that, but then we're not following him. We're Christians from a distance. We have a, as Bonhoeffer calls it, a Christology, a doctrine of Christ. But not a following of him, not a relationship. So how would that change us? (laughs) If we decided that what Bonhoeffer is talking about here, that in how we see Christ is correct, what does that mean in practical terms for us? It means I have to let go of myself in a whole different layer and depth. And I have to go let go of the natural man, because the natural instinctive man, we are designed to try to win the arguments, to try to feel justified, vindicated, these are just natural to us. Hard, <laughs> it is a hard moment by moment. Read that again. Um, it's Romans 15, 7. It says, wherefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Okay. To the glory of God, the purpose is what will glorify God. The purpose of our responses is and the purpose of our lives, I mean, this is core, is what will glorify God, not what will win the argument. Let's, let's back up just a bit to that scripture and in Romans again. As Christ, what did it say? As Christ? One another just as Christ also accepted us. The mediator. Okay that's us seeing Christ standing between us and others in acceptance not acceptance of behavior that a child needs to be confronted on because if you look at the life of Christ he was not a doormat he was not milk toast yet he allowed the needy and the hurting and and those who were truly seeking him, and and even those who were not truly seeking him, to invade his boundaries, to violate his time constraints. There was a place in, I think it's Mark, where it says they didn't even have time to eat. He and his disciples, because there were so many people in his, his life, he was inundated with people. And yet there are other times where he absolutely drew boundaries, He absolutely drew boundaries. Christ drew amazing boundaries, but he let people in as well. So he's not the all or none rigid, okay, uh, kind of, you know, you can cross here and no farther, or open range where all the cattle and sheep could just come in to the pasture land at will. He, there were times when he knew that his tank was running uh, close to empty, and he left those who were blind and leprous and dying and went up to the mountain to pray to get his tank recharged because he knew he could not make a mistake. And so getting his tank refilled and his battery recharged was the basis upon which he drew those kinds of life and death boundaries for people. And, you know, he could be accused of not being caring because there are people in need here. But the greater need for him was to make sure that he didn't run on an empty tank or an uncharged battery. And we just take privileges with that all the time and then ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and he, he couldn't do that. So that, there's a boundary. With the Pharisees, he was in their face most of the time. there were times when Christ had to hide from them because they were going to kill him. And you you think, if you don't read carefully, you miss that. But there were many times where he hid out in the desert. Or he went to the other side of the Jordan to hide from the Jews. Then there were other times where he walked boldly into the temple and taught and preached and was in their face. So we have in the example of Christ the mediator, a whole mix of responses. And yes, so what glorifies God with our children sometimes is to be firm and draw firm boundaries. And I find that harder to do now that my children are grown. (laughs) You know, it's a blurry mush (laughs) at times. but, you know, it's appropriate with parenting to have boundaries. It's the way in which we enforce the boundaries that verges on righteousness or sin, <laughs> that, that teeters on that thin line, because it's how we do it that is usually the issue. The question would be, what would you do, God? Yeah. And it's important for us not to have just a one-sided view of the life of Christ. In fact, that, uh, maybe that needs to be a, a study we embark upon, and just uh, to really see Christ in a multifaceted way because he was amazing in his strength and in his confronting. I mean, when he says, Get thee behind me, Satan, and he's speaking to Peter, that's not a sweet response. I mean, if somebody told me that... <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> you have hurt my feelings. <laughs> this makes me feel very, very wounded. <laughs> but he he did that. And and he said, Martha, you're worried about many things and only one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the right thing. He admonished. But he always did it appropriately. He did it through God, his mediator, in a sense. In John 5, he said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father do. You see, for Christ, his Father, in a sense, was what stood between him and the world. So he's not asking you and me to do anything he has not already done. He said, what, what I see the Father do, I do. And the father, in one place he talks about, he had seen the Father there in, in the place that he's going to. A uh, paraphrase version, I'm, I'm going to where my father is. So he saw God in his daily track, and the invitation of his call to follow him is an invitation to see Him daily in our track and let him be the mediator. The one who stands between me and how I see my children and how I respond to them, how I see my spouse and respond to them, how I see my brothers and sisters, my mother and my father, and respond to them. And and it won't always be the same response. And it won't always be syrupy sweet. But it will always come out of his character and nature as we do that. And it will challenge you and me to go against the nature of our natural man, our natural instinctive responses. And the idea of that is, frankly, upsetting (laughs) if you get down to it. The vision of it, the theory of it is great. But when you get down to where the rubber meets the road, and we have to walk this out in the sloppy relationships of life, it violates our sense of fairness. But God never promised to be a fair God. He has said he is a just God. But grace trumps fairness. Grace is not predicated upon fairness. Grace is free gift to an undeserving. And as he stands as mediator between me and anyone else, I have to lay aside my sense of fairness. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is not predicated upon fairness. And in this country and nation of rights, inalienable rights that we've been given, it is very, very hard for the American psyche to let go of fairness. So Christ stands between you and me as followers of him and the nation and the country as mediator, mediating the Constitution, mediating the Bill of Rights. We don't realize it, but the American fiber has been imprinted with this idea, this Jeffersonian idea, which is so wonderful governmentally, so wonderful in establishing the greatest democracy the world has ever known. And yet, as mediator, Christ stands between and asks us to be willing to let go of our rights to be right. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about when I say it's really uncomfortable. We have to change. Yeah, we can't even, only Christ can bridge the difference. Exactly. It's counterintuitive to us especially to us in America. You know, when Jean Guillaume, who uh, is accredited by Arthur's um, Clark, you know, Arthur Clark did a uh, massive 26-volume history of civilization work. And in that he, I think he devotes 16 pages to Jean Guillaume, which is significant who um, came out of the Catholic Church, was in the Catholic Church. She didn't come out of the Catholic Church. She was in the Catholic Church. Uh, She was imprisoned for seven or nine years in the Bastille for teaching a personal uh, prayer relationship with God. Not going through the priest, but with Christ as mediator. And um, that journey for her began. She married at 19. And it was an emotionally and spiritually abusive marriage until her husband died when she was 40. And when um, she, she began to, to seek God in prayer because of the difficulty of, of her marriage, and the, when the priest heard that she was and this is in France when the priest heard that she was praying without going through him he forbid her to pray and he ordered her husband and his mother who lived with them to watch her 24-7 to make sure she didn't pray well now you and I would have risen up in indignation against this violation of our rights I mean I would have I, I'm, pardon me for including you all in that uh, you know, I would have just dug my heels in, bowed my neck, and figured out what to do about this. <laughs> and I would have wrestled with that and warded with that. I might not have done anything about it, but I would have been mad, and I would have been upset, and I would have been uh, anxious and, or something, you know, I, OCD or something. And what she did is she learned in that... Um, that crucible. She learned how to pray on her feet as she went through the day. And she learned how to pray in the spirit with her eyes open so no one knew she was praying. And out of that experience came this small little book, A Short and Simple Method of Prayer. It's now been retitled, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ, and that, if I'm not mistaken, she actually finished that book in prison, because the church imprisoned her in the Bastille, and the book got smuggled out, if I'm remembering this correctly, because it's been probably 15 or 20 years since I've read the biography here on this, but uh, it got smuggled out of prison, and. 100,000 copies were made and distributed throughout France. And Arthur Clarke attributes Jean Guyon with changing the entire spiritual landscape of the nation of France for a century. As a result of that book that came out of the cauldron, the the petri dish if you will, of, of tension And of emotional and spiritual abuse. And her not insisting upon her rights. Her not resisting that, but submitting to it as unto the Lord. And letting the Lord teach her what would not otherwise have been taught to her. And the amazing effect that that relinquishment had in her own life and her understanding of prayer and the effect that it had on the entire nation of France for an entire century. She lived at the turn of the um, 1680 to about 1740 in there, just before the French Revolution and the American Revolution. So uh, my point here is that her mindset was not the Americanized version. Her mindset was having to find that there was such a thing as personal prayer, because she grew up in a culture that did not teach that. So she had to remove that mindset. She had to remove the mindset of, of what it meant to submit to the church. She still submitted, sort of, but she allowed the Holy Spirit, the mediator of Christ, to show her how in submission she could still be taught and not resisting with the natural man instinctive responses that I would certainly have come up with. And at the age of 60, I would have still been in my rocking chair mad, upset, trying to figure out how to resist this. So we are called upon as followers of Christ in any generation, and in any nationality to let Christ, and in any church, to let Christ stand as mediator between us and it. And for us to see our nationality and the cultural bent that we we carry with us, to be seen through Christ. Our church and the spiritual bent that we carry with us in the church, spiritual, religious upbringing that you and I have had, each of which is different. Christ is to stand as mediator between that and us to see him more purely. And to make decisions, as Americans particularly, and and as mankind in general, about what we are going to do with our natural instinctive responses to things and what Christ as mediator would have a see it is only as you and I seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness that we will see righteously Because we will see him. Let's pray. I ask that you just take a minute to let our mediator speak to you. To let him just work in your heart here and in your mind and your thinking about what this means for you. What he wants for you. Just take a few moments in this silence to come before Him. Father God help us to understand the blessedness of what it means to have a pure heart and to see Christ show us how he is to look in our lives as mediator of all things. I ask this in his name, his holy and his righteous name. Amen.